and that's what I would say. Not one way is better than the other. You know, I mean, you're still being creative, even if you you're given 10 loops and they're all separate or you're, or maybe you're just like looking through splice and you find like a bunch of different sounds. So maybe you search like up 10. What's up guys. Welcome to episode one of the tapping in podcast. I'm your host, Nick Sorrow. I had a very awesome opportunity today to uh, sit down with um, West Side of 128 Productions. He is a DJ and promoter and um, co-founder of West Side Product or of 128 Productions, which is a promotion company based out of Denver. They throw shows all around the Denver area, mostly house artists. And yeah, we had a great chance to just sit down and chat and talk about life, music, all the weird stuff with the pandemic. And it was a really great conversation. And I'm excited for you guys to check it out. So without further ado, here is Westside. All right, we're live. What's up, man? How's it going? Doing good. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Thanks for doing well. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you coming on. Have you uh, done like a podcast before at all? Uh, yeah, I've done a few, few of these. I did uh, one. I want to say at the beginning of quarantine with uh, the Morning Wood Show. Did like oh, a nice. guest interview and all that. It was pretty fun. Nice. How, is that like a um, like a mix show or? Uh, it wasn't a mix. Just kind of interview. Kind of see where the artists are. Kind of they wanted to kind of see where everyone was at at the beginning of quarantine. So. Nice, man. Nice. How's uh, quarantine been treating you like with music and life in general? Well, the tough thing is it's good and it's bad. I mean, I've been saving money, but the big thing is that I miss music and going out to shows, partying with all the friends, you know, playing shows. A hundred percent. Well, t- also, too, I'm interested to hear about like what you have going on with 128, because um, it looks like you guys have been doing that for a few years and you got some pretty sick artists that you were booking right before COVID hit. I mean, I saw you guys had Shipwreck coming, uh, planning to come play, and I was about to come see that. I was so stoked. And then, yeah, we had a lot of big plans for uh, mainly like Laramie Lounge. We had like Shipwreck. We had like Ghetto Blaster that got canceled. We had a few other shows, but uh, we did start doing those socially distanced ones, like outside of Laramie Lounge, kind of like in the parking lot. And we had like, uh, we did like a series of three shows that were pretty sweet. We booked uh, New Kid, Dusty Cloud, and Kaztec, all from uh, Confession, Night Base kind of stuff. Nice. Dude, I, dude, Confession's Chami's label, is that right? Dude, yeah, I like their stuff, man. They're killing it, dude. It's so weird right now, like with the, uh, like the socially distanced shows. I haven't actually I don't think I've been to one. I know my brother, like he likes to go to the drive-in shows every now and then. Um, and I've seen like a bunch of people go to them, but uh, I've never, I've never been to one. I Like I'm like dying to go see some music though. Like, uh, yeah. Did you, did, what's it like? Like, is it, is it still fun or like, I'm sure it's obviously not the same, but. Yeah, it's not the same. I mean, for some people it's a complete, you know, shift change from doing that for like their full-time career and, you know, for me, it's not like completely full time right now. That's what we're kind of working towards. Where, yeah. You know, I still have other jobs that I do. But uh, yeah, I mean, it still is even just part time, just complete shift change from going out like four or five nights a week, even just going yeah. out, going to shows, seeing friends, supporting other artists. And 
Well, Denver's Denver's such a good place for that too. Oh man, I mean, we we truly don't know how blessed we are to be in a city of music like this. Because yeah. I talked to a lot of friends all over the states, and you know, it's crazy that they really don't have this everywhere else. Well, dude, I I tell everyone, I'm like, I think Denver's like a hotbed for this shit. Like, I think it's about to, re- like, it already kind of has, but I think it's really about to explode even more like it's so it's just in its infancy even right now i think in terms of where it can go i i think the live music scene is actually like on par with like every other dope music scene i'm really interested to see like uh where it goes in in terms of like maybe like record labels popping up out here or just like um maybe becoming a place where artists flock to when they want to try to make moves in the music industry you know like la is obviously dope but like people are obviously like reconsidering that now and like New York is cool, but Denver is just such a unique vibe. And I think a lot more people are starting to pick up on that. And I'm like, I'm interested to see like where it goes with that, you know? Oh yeah. It's, it'll be interesting. It's, it'll be very interesting when shows come back and all these new artists that will pop up and all these new, you know, maybe new venues. Like, I mean, we've seen a few venues close down. It's kind of sad at the moment, but you know, most places will get through this and come back stronger. So, well, do you know like what the deal is? Cause I know uh, like platforms like AEG and live nation, they were having some trouble. Do you know what's been good with like those types of organizations and companies? I mean, those organizations, I'm not too sure. I haven't really looked too much into those two. I mean, those are like the two main that put on all the concerts in all of the United States, but, uh, I mean, I would assume they're big enough to hold through this. You know, I mean, everybody's struggling, of course. I mean, it doesn't matter how big or small you are. I mean, yeah, yeah some places are going out of business. But, you know, I'd be actually curious to see how they're doing and everything. It is pretty crazy. Yeah, dude. I mean, I saw that, like, StubHub was asking for bailouts and shit. I saw some person was like, StubHub's asking us for bailouts, but they should have thought about that, like, when they charged us, like, 20 bucks for a service fee or some shit. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I look back on those, and, like, I always hated playing, like, paying, like, all those fees, but then when you look at it, it's like, you know, if that's going to go to save a venue, if that's going to go to, like, pay these artists that sometimes artists don't get paid, and, you know, it's it kind of makes me miss going out. Yeah, dude, I'm happy to like support the artists. Like, I love that. I, uh, what I struggle with is just like when you're, when you have all these middlemen like trying to get in the way and be like, let me take a fee. And it doesn't even go to benefit the artists, you know, not really. Obviously, like people got to eat, you know, they're put, they're, they're creating a platform for you to buy tickets. So, you know, it all goes hand in hand. But dude, it's just interesting how like this, how this shit is, um, how it's affecting the industry. And I know like COVID is kind of like, it's like, yeah, like we've all been talking about this for the past six months, but I'm more interested just to talk about it in terms of like, how are we going to pivot from here? And like, I think it's just so, it's really cool to see how artists are pivoting. And one thing that I really have enjoyed is like, all these artists are doing live streams and Twitch streams. And like, now you can see all these um, artists doing like production streams on YouTube and Twitch that like, we're never doing shit like that before. And so, I mean, I think that is definitely a positive, you know, I think the live stream shows are, are cool. They're, they're certainly not like a substitute for real ones, but I think once we're out of this um, COVID situation, I think they'll stick around and, 
you know, artists will be able to do a little bit of both. I think I still think it'll be interesting to see how they try to monetize that in the future as well. Um, but yeah, man, I think it's another thing too that it's that it's made me realize is like. I think when you first start out in the like trying to come up as a music producer, you kind of like see all your idols. And like for me, I thought like, okay, I could go one of two ways. I could be like a hip hop guy and produce rap beats for all the major dudes. Or I could do like EDM and I could play shows and DJ and tour around the world. And I kind of thought that like those were the only two options. And now I'm seeing like all these different people like uh, Decap doing like shit like drums that knock. And all these people who are doing who are coming up on like YouTube, uh, like selling beats. You know, producers are like a lot more producers are getting into podcasts. Uh, just like all these people who are kind of like forging their own way and not really waiting for like a giant label to come and like give them an opportunity. They're just like you know, I'm going to do this myself. And I think those artists are the ones who are really like, um, probably pretty happy right now because, you know, it doesn't, this isn't affecting their livelihood in the same way as those other artists who literally only relied on shows. Not that that's a bad thing because like who would have saw this coming, but I think it's a lesson that we can learn is like how, how as a music producer or creative in 2020, can you, uh, like set up your brand so that you don't have to rely on like an external, organization um to make your money um exactly i mean that's just like i mean rule of thumb just in life in general is having multiple streams of income because you know say you lose your job whether it's any sort of job it's like oh shoot i gotta find another job or i have other things to fall back on you know sure yeah always gotta have things ready and it's kind of interesting how all the artists and you know all these people are getting creative you know with these twitch streams and live streams and all that and yeah Dude, I love it, man. It's it's fun. Like you know, a lot just... of people are offering like their mixing and uh, a lot of people are offering like their mixing and mastering services. So yeah, it's pretty creative. Yeah, yeah. In a in a way, it's kind of brought us a little bit closer together. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. You know, like we get to hear. I just really like hearing. Uh, you know, anytime there's an artist who I like their music, it's it's always dope to be able to hear hear them like share their perspectives on you know whatever it is they do or whatever it is in their life I mean I even enjoy just like like what do you do outside of music like hearing people say like just you know it just gives you perspective to because like in in a way you kind of look at these people and you don't sometimes realize like yeah well these people are more than just like a DJ or a music producer you know like they're they're all, they're doing other shit too. So, and I think sometimes that is easy to get caught up in. Like I've experienced that myself. Um, but yeah, man, I'm curious though. Uh, I, I'm re- I really want to learn more about like what, what, like about like what you started with. Is it, you just call it 128 productions. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, it was my brother's idea. I mean, him helped kind of, we started the company back in, uh, I want to say it was 2000, 17 i believe okay sweet yeah 2017 i believe at the beginning of the year was when we kind of first started it my brother and i kind of had the ideas of uh starting up 128 we loved going to shows before that we were partying and celebrating you know going to shows all every weekend so uh it's a lot of fun but uh yeah we uh we moved up here to denver started 128 started planning out shows i mean you know, we really didn't have any idea what we were doing at first, but I mean, 
that's how you live and you learn, you make mistakes, you get better. You know, it kind of just starts with a passion and going from there. Um, but I think like we're first shows, we were starting out, uh, we were working with a collective called angry neighbor over in Boulder. Okay. They're kind of known for house bass music, kind of a bunch of different styles of electronic music. Uh, nice. But yeah, we started working with them. Uh, this guy, I think his name's Reed. And then another guy, Eugene, who used to be like one of the founders of 128. Uh, but he had to move on and kind of move on with his life and do some other things. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it kind of just started out just, you know, not really knowing what you're doing. It's kind of like when you first started making music, you get in there, you're just looking at a screen, you don't know what you're doing, but you're just messing around trying to figure stuff out. You know, maybe you'll watch a YouTube, like making music for dummies or how to make a, how to throw a show for dummies and stuff like that. So. For sure, man. I think there's something magical about, um, you know, constantly putting yourself in a position like that, you know, like I'm always trying to find new things that I can do in my life where I can still have that beginner's mindset because like, it's, it's kind of scary at first. You're like, what am I doing? Like, it's uncomfortable. Like you don't know, you don't know what all these knobs do or like you're, you're a brand new promoter in a freaking city like Denver. I mean, that's so competitive, right? Like you're trying to figure out and navigate your way, but there's something so cool about um, kind of first getting into something where you don't kind of have like all these preconceived notions or rules or way that you think things are supposed to be. So it kind of opens up a lot of room for like creativity and like, how can you approach this differently? But you know, you don't even know you're doing it differently. You know, you're just feeling around and like, you know, trying to, uh, figure out a way that like you can find your own voice or your own style. So yeah, I think, I think that's, that's interesting that you said that too, because I've personally never really been super involved with like the show promotion aspect of it. But um, I've seen a lot of like behind the scenes of what it's like. I actually took a, I had took a class at school called concert promo and venue management and we had to like learn how that stuff works. And we, and like for one of our projects, we had to like, we had to do like this mock sort of, you had to pretend like, like we're like everyone got put into groups and there was like six groups and we were all representing different venues across the United States. And like, we were all competing to book, like, I think it was like 10 different artists and like we were trying to give them offers and like there would be conflicts because they'd be like, well, we're playing this date here, this date there. They're trying to schedule tours and, you know, runs across the country. So you want it to line up, you know, it's just such a different world, but it's like, it's kind of fascinating, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. It definitely is a different world. I mean, for me personally, I'm not really on the booking side of 128. So okay. that's more like my, my brother, Alex and then uh, Rob, they kind of handle that. That's all like a whole new math science equation to me, basically, you know? Yeah. But as far as, I mean, there's one thing that's kind of, that I've noticed that's common between DJs, promoters, and uh, you know, whether you're throwing a show, it's the main thing is knowing like good promotion and like being an artist and a DJ, you have to promote yourself all the time, whether you want to be humble or whether you just want to like share your music, you still have to like learn a way to promote it and mm -hmm. reach a certain amount of people. hundred percent, man. I've, I've been thinking about that a lot too, because, you know, I just got into this thing where I'm selling beats online, like on this 
BeatStars website and like when I first started I was like thinking it was going to be super easy I just upload my beats and I'm like oh like I think my beats are good enough like maybe people will buy them but then like you realize like dude you're in a place where freaking thousands of other people are trying to do the same thing as you yes you're probably good at it but you gotta like you gotta like get visibility you know like you can't just you can't just expect people to flock to you and, and like I heard I heard this other guy saying this too, um, another YouTuber that I watch, Curtis King, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was saying how like every successful brand is good at marketing. You know, if you think about like the most successful, like Apple and Nike, I mean, they do so much with their marketing. And I think the people who can uh, understand that are the people who, can, who are going to be like the most successful in the music industry. But I see like what you guys are doing with like the way you promote your shows and, um, it looks awesome, man. I'm I'm eager to to go check one out soon once uh once all this stuff is over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right now we're uh for shows we're kind of done for the year. We're kind of planning out stuff for next year, but uh it's basically once it gets a little bit warmer, trying to do more hopefully not socially distanced shows, maybe we'll have all this covid stuff figured out by then, but if not, you know, we're going to still continue to bring music to Denver. For sure, yeah. Um, I'm curious too. So, like, what what do you uh, what do you find yourself doing most with 128, and like, what kind of role do you like to occupy within that? Yeah, yeah. So my roles, I, I handle like artist relations. Okay. Um, so I'll be you know picking up all the artists from the airport. I'll be their first point of contact, and you know, kind of helping with their writers. Whether it's you know, sometimes it's weird writers. Like, I need only brown M Ms. I need water at this temperature you know not not all of them are crazy but you know it's like that's kind of like the part of my job I also do kind of show on show days I handle uh general uh day-to-day operations on the day of the show so nice yeah and there's I mean there's a lot of moving parts especially when we have a full 128 production show you know we're running out the venue we're running out lighting we're running out sound we're setting all that up by ourselves we're setting up decorations you know there's just so much that goes into the show and then you're on top of that you're promoting it selling tickets bringing people there you know hiring bodyguards or doormen you know bathroom people like there's a lot of stuff that goes just behind you know going to the show so when a lot of people go to the shows it's like oh this is awesome it's like there's a lot of stuff that went behind this just to get this to go through. Dude. Yeah, that's so true. I think like with everything, man, that's just such a thing that we overlook. Like I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Like, um, you know how there's like that argument where it's like, um, you should make everything from scratch versus, Oh, you, you could use splice samples or presets. You know, there's kind of like two ways of seeing it. I was like thinking like I was making music on my computer and I was like, what had to happen in order for me to be able to do this? Like some random person had to like gather all these materials on some other side of the world. Someone had to like assemble it, send all these products to Apple, like all these different moving parts coming together. This computer gets shipped across the world to me. And then here I am making a song. Like there's so much, like just with everything, I think like, or even when you listen to a song, like before I started making music, I never considered like, oh, how did they like make that snare or bass sound like that? You know, like it's it's just interesting to like to like we kind of take it for granted in a little bit, like all the hard work that goes into the shit that we use. You know, that's that's super cool, though, man. Um, where do you see yourself? Um, 
in the future, do you do you kind of see yourself being uh, trying to like really grow and develop 128, or do you see yourself um, trying to go more down the producer route and touring production for other artists? I know you got your project. It's just West Side. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, West Side. Yeah, most people think it's Wessie D. Not really sure how to pronounce it. But oh, gosh, okay. Like the the Y is just switched to, or the I is switched to the Y. So. Yeah, yeah, it's that's clever. Yeah, I like that. I like that. But but yeah, as far as like down the road, the whole idea is to kind of like all in one, like one twenty eight. As one twenty eight moves up, West Side moves up, and For sure. as West Side goes up, you know, it brings up one twenty eight as well. So kind of all connected along that spectrum, you know. I have my uh, I have my other alias with uh, my friend uh, DJ Rex Buchanan. Okay. Um, we go by Illuminati. Uh, yeah, it's like a loom, I-L-L-U-M-E plus sign and then like naughty, like N-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Oh, okay. Yeah, but Illuminati, we actually have a new release coming out here pretty soon is that. Um, Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Do you, uh, is that like, is that kind of also like house oriented as well? Yeah, it's house oriented. Uh, we we kind of started making a lot of tracks back in 2019, like at the end of the year and we kind of been I think we have like probably eight good released unreleased songs right now that uh, we're kind of spreading out to kind of release over the next year or two. Oh, so you got a lot of shit in the vault then. Yeah, we got a lot of shit in the vault. Exactly. Like right now we, uh, uh, we put out a few songs uh, as Illuminata. We put out our cream remix of Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. And then we also put out uh, an original called, uh, what about it that uh, was both of them or what about it was released on quite right records here in Denver. And then uh, the cream remix was just kind of like a self-release as us. Nice. So there, so there are some record labels out of Denver then I guess, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love to hear that, man. Cause I was, uh, you know, you don't hear a lot about organizations like that out here. Um, which is interesting to like, think about like what goes into, you know, a city like LA getting to where it is today but you know it'll be interesting i'm curious though like what like how how did you get into producing were you like would you were you originally like djing or did you start producing first or like how did that evolve for you so for me i kind of did the opposite they say most people start with djing and they get into like playing shows and getting music and then they get into the production side. Mm -hmm. But I guess it was just kind of like who I hung out with in high school. I think it was like 2012 is when I first got into producing music. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I actually might've been earlier than that. I think 2012 is when I got discovered Ableton and started working in it. Nice. That, I was actually working in, uh, I wanted to make music on my own. And I was, I think it was like 2010, 2011, I was working in GarageBand. Oh shit! So you're you're kind of a veteran, bro. You got it. Like you've been in this for a while. Yeah, and I still don't know anything, man. Like I'm right? telling you, like I still am. Like this is like mastered, like production, and I'm like still way down here. But you know, just over the years and not even taking classes, and not I've learned quite a bit just from hanging out with the right people and just going to YouTube, watching videos, and just messing around, sitting in the whatever DAW you use, and just figure stuff out that way too. Yeah, dude, it's we're we're so lucky to be able to like have all these resources that we have right now, you know, just like 
the fact that you can now like you don't even need to play an instrument you can pick up ableton and like eventually figure out how to make really cool ass music and like that is in itself is so cool and just to be able to buy like a synthesizer for your computer for like 200 bucks like um back in the day what you had to you had to buy like a analog synth like thousands of dollars I don't even know how, like, how did they make the music back then? Like, it was like multi-track recorders. You got to go to a studio or something like. Yeah. I mean, man, most of it was working in a studio and doing all that. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, I don't know if it was like basically how much money you had in order to get equipment to make music or I know they did a lot of sampling back then, but still it's like, yeah, it only, you can only get so far with sampling. You got to have some other right? source. Yeah, I'm interested. Like, what's your what's your perspective on sampling? Because I mean, I think when I first started out, I was kind of like, I think everyone goes through this a little bit. Like, when you you kind of like go through this like elitist music producer phase where you're like, well, this kind of genre that I make is the best because of this and this, and you kind of like think it's better than everything else. But then you realize like everyone's just trying to do different shit. And then like at the same time, I remember with samples, I'd be like oh no, I make my stuff from scratch or like, I want to make my snares all from scratch or like, like, oh, I'm not going to use a hi-hat loop. Why would I do that? Like, but I think it's so much fun to just let all that shit go and be like, yeah, like this loop, let me just drop it in. It works perfectly. Like chop it up, do all this different stuff. Like, I think there's so many different ways you can look at it though. I'm curious, like what's, what's your thoughts on that? Not that one, not that one way is better than the other, but yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I would say. Not one way is better than the other. You know, I mean, you're still being creative, even if you you're given 10 loops and they're all separate or you're or maybe you're just like looking through splice and you find like a bunch of different sounds. So maybe you search like up 10 vocals, 10 snares, 10 whatever, 10 loops, and then you just combine them and then make a song out of that. You're still doing like that creative process, you know. Yeah you're not necessarily behind the engineering side of that, but you're still being creative and creating something, I would say, somewhat original. 100%, 100%, man. I mean, Splice in and of itself is so sick. I, I'm i lucky. I, I started producing like when Splice was already a thing, but I didn't have it at first, so I was just like using Ableton samples, which back then, like 2017... They were like pretty good. Maybe I just didn't download enough of the good packs, but like, um, I think it is kind of beneficial to like learn how to like put things together on your own at first, just so that you're not like, I think a lot of people when they first start out, they're just getting like a drum loop and then a chord loop and then like putting those together. And that's totally fine. Like everyone has different goals of what they want to do. But I think if you're, if you really want to be in this for the long term, like I think it's super beneficial just to like learn to have the skills to like create that stuff from scratch or like sound design or not that you have to, but I think it is, it gives you a whole degree of like freedom with your music in terms of like what you have the capability to create, you know? And I mean, that, that kind of also creates like you as an artist by having distinct sounds, you know, like yeah. when you like, I mean, if you hear, I like to choose this artist to talk about is Kyle Watson, you know, like he has a distinct like kick sound. It's kind of like, distorted and same with his bass lines like at first when i first heard a kyle watson song i was like did he just not like mix or master this correctly it kind of sounds like I don't is know, it like distorted and like yeah it didn't sound like clear it sounded like i don't know maybe he made it on his laptop and didn't master it or something like that and then you start listening to his style and you realize like he's making actually 
really good clean music and he has like that's like his style is having distorted kicks and bass yeah. lines you know and that kind of made him like his style as an artist 100 percent, man it's it's so easy to get caught up in that like engineer mindset where like you think things have to be a certain way kind of like going back to what i was saying like as a beginner like you don't know all those rules so you're like you're not you'll, you'll just try whatever but like as you and this is just like with life in general like as you like kind of learn more and more you start to have like these uh ideas of like what you think you should do but with like mixing as long as you can bring it to a club and like it can like get people moving and like they can like understand what they're hearing and like they're hearing what you intended them to hear like that's all that matters you know like you don't need to have like the perfect like mix down you know like not everything some artists you know I'd much rather have like a sick idea with like an average mix down than the other way around because I hear a lot of stuff where I'm like this is clean as fuck but it's just like not that interesting just yeah, or just, like, I've heard this sort of style many times before. Like, it doesn't, it's not like a song I want to listen to again, even though it's clean. Like, that in and of itself isn't going to get me to like the song. If it's a good idea and, like, the mix down is super sick, then, yeah, obviously that makes it a lot better. But it's interesting just to, like, think about, uh, you know, what really matters. And, I mean, if you're a mix engineer, obviously, like, that's kind of like your bread and butter and that's kind of important but i don't know as a producer these days i kind of feel like you got to know how to mix your stuff you got to i mean unless you got you know a crap ton of money to spend on mix down and mastering for every single track that you make you know 100 percent. yeah you you got to definitely know your shit so do you do you uh like how do you approach it when you like want to master something do you typically master your stuff too I, I try to master my stuff. I am still kind of a beginner at that, but yeah, I mean, for the last couple of tracks, I've mastered my tracks myself and, uh, nice. or I've had like a friend that I trust kind of help me do that. Um, uh, I mean, sometimes those, uh, I guess sometimes those like websites where you'll send in a track, whether it's like Lander or like some other sites, they'll kind of master your track for you. I mean, you know, they, they kind of know what you're doing. Like they'll get the sound to sound like decent, but also when it comes down to like mix down and master, like you mix it down to how you want it to sound like, even though like they think it's, this is the correct way. Sometimes you'll want your kick and your bass to hit a little bit harder just because that's how you want it to be mixed down. 100%. So sometimes when you use like one of those websites or you send it to someone who doesn't know what you want from the song, they'll mix it down completely opposite of what you wanted and it will sound like a totally different song. But at the same time, sometimes that's what's needed because sometimes you'll raise your kick level way too high. And then it's like super distorted once you go to play it at a club or on yeah. speakers that aren't like your AirPods or something or your phone speaker. <laughs> Dude, it's interesting when you play a song that you like, made in your bedroom like at a club like it just it sounds so different like especially the kick drums like sometimes especially like when you like when you don't like the way you mixed down a track or something and you and you play it at a venue and you're like fuck like <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's like it's not like it's like an id or something or like a demo that you're like yeah let me test this out and then sometimes you play it and you're like fuck like 
I hope no one heard that, you know? I know. Well, even for my, uh, what's funny is even for my latest remix that I just put out, um, uh, the drip remix of truth and lies on, uh, I did it for like a space yacht remix contest. I didn't even, my interface isn't working right now and I couldn't even use my monitors. So everything was all through headphones. Okay. So, and like, I, I turned it in without even actually listening to it on actual monitors yet. And I've only heard it on like Bluetooth speakers or headphones, which I mean, headphones is the best way to mix and master stuff. But at the same time, it's like, you still want that reassurance of monitors. Like, okay. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Headphones kind of, they have their pros and cons like headphones. You're not really wor- You don't have to worry about like not having great acoustics in your room. But the other, the other, uh, like the flip side is like, you don't get like that full, like stereo image, like you would get with, uh, monitors, like crossing each other. Like you have like this side and this side. So it's a little bit different. I, I, I find myself too, though, making a lot like of my important decisions using headphones. Um, like I'll start off usually making, a, making my, my tunes on monitors just cause it's more fun, I think. And then, like, when it gets down to, like, the process of kind of making everything sound nice and sit well together, I'll usually, like, use headphones and, like, um, you know, start sending it to, like, my phone and listening to it on my phone speaker, like, my AirPods. I find that the, the AirPods are such a great test. Like, if it can slap in your AirPods, I'm usually feeling pretty good about it, like, if it sounds nice. Yeah, I for me, my favorite... I mean, everyone says this, but my favorite test is the the car speaker test. Because I mean, it's kind of just honestly, it's not even like just having the quality of your speakers. It's kind of just knowing, like what your, like what you listen to on music, like what you listen to your music on the most. So for me, it's like every time I drive to work, every time I'm away from work, everywhere I go, I'm blasting like house music essentially. So, so and I know my car speakers well. Like I like when I get in a car whether it's a random car, I'll kind of like tune the stereo to how it should sound or how I want it to sound in a way. Cause tune, most cars tune the stereo. What do you mean by that? Like, like, I mean, I used to work at like a car dealership. I used to work at like a Subaru and like whenever I would get in a car and we're going on a drive for a little bit, I listen to the speakers and I hear it. And I know like, obviously the way they have it tuned, even though it's at zero, 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 all the way down, they like bass boost their speakers and the quality drops so like I'll go in there, I'll drop the bass, maybe increase the treble a little bit, oh. make it sound to like how it actually should sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Ah, that's a funny that you bring that up because, um, like I'll see like those SoundCloud uh, songs where it's like this song, but it's bass boosted, and I'm like, dude, if the bass needed to be fucking boosted, the guy would have boosted it like in the in the mix process, you know? If you need bass boost for whatever you're listening on, you should just get a better system, basically. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's funny, too. Like, you're like, dude, you know you can just, like, turn up the bass on your car instead of listening to a bass boosted. I don't know. I don't expect the average music music listener to know that shit. I I sure as hell didn't when I wasn't making music. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's interesting, though. Um, I'm curious, like, so so you're kind of currently balancing, like, your like music stuff and then you got your work as well. Like are do you do you work in like a music related job or is it is it completely outside of music? Uh no, it's completely outside. So I actually started working car sales like at the beginning of the pandemic. And then okay. uh recently I was just like that wasn't the job for me. I was thinking it was like July. Uh, I started working at a, a grow growing marijuana. 
Dude, I have a, I have a few buddies that do that as well. I mean, it's simple, standard pay, you know, you go work Monday through Friday, which is nice. You still got your weekends and nice, bro. And I get, and I get to listen to music all the time while I'm at work. So it's nice. Yeah. That's actually, yeah, that's chill, man. How, how do you find, is it, is it tough, um, balancing, you know, the work life and like trying to fit in the hours, you know, with your passion, with music and, you know, getting, getting all that stuff done or, do you find it's a little bit easier than you thought or? I mean, it is kind of, it's kind of what you make of it. I mean, there's some people that are, I mean, I try to balance music and make, I try to make time for, I wouldn't say every day I'd be alive, but I try to make like time at least a couple times a week where I'm spending time in the studio or working on a mix or just working on music in general, like maybe even just listening to music and getting ideas yeah, But uh, I mean, there's some people that like, I had to talk to some friends and they're like, yeah, I'm in the studio every night after work for about three hours every night. And I'm like, man, I cannot do that. I get writer's block. I just, I lose interest. Like, you know, I have to like supplement my time. And it's, yeah. it's not really a right or wrong answer to that. It's just kind of finding what works for you too. Some people like just can just get in the studio for like two hours on one day, once a week, and then get more done than I could in like a week true um it just but then there's some people that spend every day and they're doing good too so it kind of just depends for every person yeah dude i think that is something that every producer music maker whatever you do if you're really passionate about it i think a lot of people like are kind of struggle with like figure like finding that balance i think it's good to um i think it's good to go on sprints is what i call them like sometimes you're just feeling super inspired. Like um, I'll go through periods where I'm like I'm like making music for like a few hours every day. I'm staying up till like three a.m. just like making music, and you kind of feel like you're in your own little world for this or for that period of time. You're just like grinding, and it doesn't necessarily feel like a grind because you're super inspired. But like if I were to ever make an album, I kind of imagine that I would go through another period like that where I'm just like okay. You know, maybe I go somewhere, like travel somewhere, set up a studio, you know, get away from everyone for a little bit and just like focus and write, um, write some tunes. But yeah, like you said, every, everyone's a little different. I think when you first start out, I think it can be really beneficial to like try to be consistent as possible just so you can like overcome that learning curve. But then after a while, like you got to live life, you got to do stuff, you know. Exactly. I mean, you weren't meant to spend your, even as a producer, you're not meant to spend every single day, five hours a day working on music. You know, it doesn't matter if you're like a big touring DJ, you still live your life, take breaks, you know. I think some people try to portray that though. I think a lot of, I think when I first started out too, I thought that's what you had to do. And so I actually like ended up doing that for certain amounts of time. And then like sometimes you can get really burnt out from trying to do that and you can get really stressed. And then like when you're not in the studio, you feel guilty and you're always like, I remember I would go through periods where I was like always rushing to get back to the studio. And like, it took me a few years to realize like, Hey man, like you're good. Like you're making music. Like, um, you've got your experience down, like go live life. Like you have to, you have to gain experiences and do stuff to inspire you to make music too. So like, when, whenever you're not making music, like, and you're going out and living your life and experiencing stuff, like, that's fueling the fire for when you get back into the studio. This is the way, that's the way I look at it. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, just going to a live show, just going to, like, a 
a club every weekend, you know, it inspires you to get in the studio and like, I want to do this. I want to make music. Like I want to, you know, show everyone that. So, Dude. Yeah. A hundred percent. And the, and the thing with the writer's block that you said too, is that's another interesting one too. Cause I don't know. I've, I've, I've certainly struggled with writer's block, you know, so many times, you know, I've gone through periods where I've been like, like so down on myself about my music sometimes where I'm like afraid to like open up Ableton because I'm like, crap, like your expectations are here and like your skill level's here and you're like frustrated at that, not being able to meet that. But, um, you know, lately what I've had a lot of luck doing is like, I don't even go to the studio anymore trying to do something. I just like open up Ableton and fuck around and like play the keys and like make sounds. Like I don't even like, I used to sit down and be like, okay, I need to, I'm an artist. I need to make a song and release some tracks for my fans, my fans or my audience, you know, whatever it is. And I think that gets, that has, that is not a good mindset because I think you're like sitting down to like, that feels more like you're doing music as a means to an end rather than like, it should just be fun. And like, then you, and then after you've made the music, then you decide you know, what do you want to do with it? Where do you want to, where do you want it to go? But yeah, lately I find that like, um, for me, it's so beneficial to just sit down and not have any expectations and just fuck around. And I think subconsciously that's when my best ideas would come anyway, when I was just like fucking around and I heard a song or not a song, like a sound in my head or like you play a certain riff and you're like, oh, that's cool. Let's run with that. It's so much more organic than trying to be like, let's make a song. Let's open up contact. Chord progression. Okay, let's get some drums. Like, and then you're like, fuck, this sounds terrible. Like, what am I doing? You know, I feel like, you know, I feel like everyone's, everyone's been through that, but it's interesting to hear like how, how, how different people balance it, dude, because I don't know the ten the whole ten thousand hour rule. Really, like I I really used to pay that like pay way too much attention to that. Like this is gonna sound psycho, but I remember like when I first started out, like I was so obsessed. I wanted to be so good that I was like, okay, ten thousand hours. If I if I make music this much hours per day, it's gonna take me this long to where I feel like I'm at a professional level. And I'm like, and then I started to realize like it's not really like what that's about. Like once you get past a certain skill set. I think it's beneficial to just stop keeping track of that shit and just like make music, you know? Um, yeah. Well, I, a big thing, uh, a big thing for me for writer's block too is, I mean, you, you take your breaks and stuff, whether it's, you know, whether it's a vacation or you just like stop working on music for a little bit, but also uh, a big thing to help with that is also just like, if you're feeling down and you're feeling like this track's going nowhere, self-reflect on yourself, like look back at like, when you first started making music, look back at like your very first tracks and be like, wow, that white noise is just literally a white noise filter. And it's just so loud, not even tuned correctly. And it just sounds like crap. And like, you just look back at your old tracks and think like, wow, I've come this far since then. And like, yeah, man, definitely help you feel better. It'll definitely help kind of see where you've come from. Dude, it's so easy to lose track of that too. Like, cause you're, it's so it's just so easy to compare yourself, man, to other people like on Instagram, you know, everyone wants to appear like they're killing it, you know? Um, 
Especially with like all the DJs lately. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I'm getting a little like kind of annoyed by the way like all these DJs are like using social media. Like it just it just comes off as like so fake. It's like a picture of them at the club and it's like, what track should I release next? Or like shit like that. And you're like, it kind of it's like the same reason people hate small talk, you know? It's like it's not like a meaningful interaction, you know? It's like it's like you're entertaining like a bunch of uh, babies or something like just like so I don't know that like obviously people are free to do whatever the hell they want but you know I think it's I think it's really cool when artists can find like a, a valuable way to connect with their fans um, that's why like I love Twitch I haven't like I there's a few artists that I tune into on there um, but like have you I don't know are you familiar with like Kenny Beats have you seen his stuff He's kind of more of like a hip hop producer, but um, I'll like watch like recaps of his streams on YouTube and like, you know, they're just chilling in Ableton, you know, maybe he'll be making a beat, maybe he won't be, you know, uh, he's talking about music, reading the chat, they do like, uh, like live contests, uh, or they do beat contests, sorry, so like he'll like upload a sample into Discord or something and then everyone will take it and then make a beat and like he judges it. Like, he'll bring in some, like, sick producer or, like, engineer, and they'll, like, judge the beats live. And, like, just, like, finding new ways to interact with the fans, I think, has been... It's been so cool to see how to see how people do that. And, you know, I think I have a lot of respect for the artists who still know how to interact with their fans, and they're not, like, too much on their high horse where they, like, think, you know, like, they're too above that, you know? I, and, like... I think that's why Discord is a really cool thing, you know, Instagram, all that stuff. But I mean, just just from an artist's point of view, nothing, you know, means more to a person, I feel like, than just being a genuine person. You know, you know, like some of my favorite artists are the people that you've chatted with or they just you talk to them. They're a human, you know, they're not just like some idol that people worship. They're just normal people, you know, conversation. You can relate with them, you know. You know, that, go, that goes a long way and goes more than, you know, just being like a big icon in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. I can imagine it's like hard to like, it's probably easy for that stuff to go to your head too. If you're like this crazy touring DJ and like all of a sudden, like you go from city to city, everyone is like, yo, what's up, man? Like, can we party with you tonight? Like, here's some free blow. Like everyone wants to be your friend. Everyone like wants to do whatever they can for you. Like you're the center of attention and then so like and then like when some of those people get out of that environment, they're like they don't know what to do, you know, like they don't know how to react they don't know how to interact like like normal people do. And so I think I feel like a lot of artists probably go through like that stage and then like realize, wait a minute, like I've lost connection with like who I was before this, you know. But yeah, it's so it's it just it makes you feel great when you can interact with like an artist that you really look up to and they're just like genuine and like a good guy and chill and like they're willing to like interact with you and you know give you the time of day you know not forgetting to like appreciate like your fans you know the people who make it all possible for you Mm -hmm. yeah i mean like something that us at 128 are all about is uh taking care of your mental health too because that that plays a big part you know in everything i mean you know, you see a lot of people, a lot of like even just artists all around the world, just any type of genre of music in general, where 
they struggle with mental health. They don't know how to react to everything. And, you know, that can be a really, you know, bad thing in a lot of people's lives. And, you know, that's something that we pride ourselves on and with 128. Well, yeah, dude, for, for real, man, it's, it's a tough industry to navigate, dude. I feel, I feel like so much of the battle is not even music related and just like the mind game and like figuring out like, you know, just how to not give up and how to like, you know, stay focused, you know, how to prioritize your health, your, your well-being, your relationships, you know, your family while also still making music, you know. If you want to, if you want to be successful, you know, it's got to be at least somewhat of a priority, you know. I, I mean, I think. Uh, so it's, you know, it's it's hard to kind of navigate that area, but, um, you know, definitely some people struggle with it um, more than others, man. And I feel like I feel like we've lost some super talented artists over the years just to like shit like that, you know, like. Um, especially, especially IO, like rest in peace to, to him, you know, I don't know. Are you familiar with his stuff? Yeah. Yeah. The IO actually before COVID we were kind of, uh, I'd have to talk with my brother again, but I think we were in the, the process of maybe putting in an offer for him for a, for a warehouse 128 show. But, uh, you know, that was kind of like in the works that we were thinking about doing, but, uh, yeah, that definitely put a damper on things, which was really sad to hear all that. Tra- yeah, tragic, man. He was, uh, I think I discovered his music, I want to say, like, last year. Um, and just, like, super unique vibe, super, like, techno-y, trance kind of, like, just a bit of a different type of vibe that, like, I wasn't hearing a whole lot of, you know. Um, that's super cool, though, that you were about to do some stuff with him you know i feel like he's like the ultimate dude you want to get if you're playing a warehouse show i know that show would have been legendary if that ever would have went through yeah he was he was kind of popping off too wasn't he um i think he i think he did he released a lot with uh dead mouse's label mousetrap is that what yeah mousetrap i i think any artist that signs a mousetrap is just so good black gummy you know oh yeah i've heard a few of his stuff yeah they they got a lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah, um, I mean, always always been a Dead Mouse fan too. Uh, I don't know who who else do you hear on there? I feel like did Getter release some stuff with them? I feel like he released an album on there. Too sure. I don't follow Getter too much, but I he's kind of more like he was like more in like the dubstep scene, I guess too. Are you uh? Do you do you, are you familiar with like Anjuna at all? Do you do you mess around with those guys much? Oh yeah, yeah, I love Anjuna. Yeah, we uh for one twenty eight we booked uh last year around this time I want to say it was like or maybe no it was in January I believe we booked of uh, this year we booked uh, Jody Wisternoff which was oh man amazing oh, warehouse man. show we uh did him over we booked him over in uh, at a show at Cultivated Synergy at a warehouse space over in Rhino. And that show was just so much fun. I think we sold like over 500 tickets for that one. Yeah, that was a sold out show. And that was just so much fun. It's crazy. Yeah, dude, that's I mean, Denver, man, like you can like, it's such a great place to like have events like that. I mean, I know it's I know the bass scene is is really popping here, like with dubstep and all that. Um, do you feel like the, the sort of, uh, like house trance techno scene, is it pretty strong out here too? Would you say, I mean, I feel like the church, 
they were doing a lot of stuff like that there. Yeah, it's definitely grown over the years, and it's actually crazy to see how far it's come since, like, me and my brother kind of first started 128 and kind of started going to shows. You know, it's like my brother, he said he remembers, like, a specific time when uh, I think he went to Bar Standard Steam, uh, like, on a Wednesday night, and he said he saw Salardo there. And that was kind of, like, as they were growing before they were, like, this massive tech house artist. And yeah. he said he remembers seeing both of them there. And I think he said there was maybe 20, 30 people in the crowd. Nobody was there, just like a fun small show. And like, he's chatting with them. They're having a good time. And, you know, I remember even going to shows when there was like, you know, 10, 15 people max and steam shout out to Brennan for that. He blew that show up like before COVID, you know, that sometimes that show would have like a couple hundred people in that small room at steam at bar standard. It's crazy see how that grew over the like couple years you know yeah so is bar standard is that is that a venue is it downtown i want to right like broadway it's kind of where all the other clubs are um like temple club vinyl okay um church is like just off of lincoln you know Got it. not too far from there so we like to call that like the club district just where all like the big clubs are located yeah dude i'm they're not really doing anything now, are they? Are they able to do anything at all, like those venues? I I don't think so. I mean, I don't know if they're still doing, like, socially distant stuff inside, but I think most places are kind of just done for the year and just kind of waiting to see what happens in the next couple months. So. Yeah, like with this whole vaccine and stuff. Yeah, I heard about uh, with that. my boy Dom, Denver's Dom, and then Brennan. They're uh, they're doing uh, kind of like house and I think like bass music dubstep over there. Yeah, wasn't I think I saw like it was Zomboy, and then I also think I saw Zoo was on the lineup. Yeah, exactly, Zoo Zomboy. I think I saw Cassian too. He's Dude. kind of like an Anjuna kind of like Dude, you know, I progressive love house Cassian. artist. I just discovered him probably a year ago. Dude, I'm in love with his stuff. Like he's got, I think he's got a few remixes of Rufus that I really enjoy. Oh yeah, dude, I like. Honestly, in the past, I want to say year or so, I've just gotten so into that kind of music. Like, sort of like, uh, like sort of like that. It's kind of like a mellower sort of style of house music. You can still vibe to it and dance to it, but it's also got this like kind of chill, mellow vibe. It's just like super feel good. But yeah, man, that, I think, wasn't he supposed to play in Denver? Yeah, he actually came. So when we uh, we pro- promoted the Dom Dalla Sonny Federa show at, uh, at uh, Mission Ballroom, he opened for them. Uh, I think it was him that opened. I'll have to double check that. But uh, yeah, he opened for them. I think, I don't even remember that on that show was. Another sick venue, Mission Ballroom. Oh, man, that venue, the sound itself, like, Oh my gosh. Dude, I I think I went to that I think I went to two shows at that venue before everything shut down. I think it's one of my favorite venues in Denver. Like aside from Red Rocks, you know, if I could choose a like any place to see a sick show, that's like one of my top choices. Love that place. Oh man, I was I would kill to go to a show there right now, even like socially distanced. <laughs> Yeah, dude. It's like I think I 
I think everyone is. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but did you see how there was like, um, there was a huge festival in Australia, like 10,000 people, like not even socially distanced, but I don't think it's a big deal because I don't think that COVID is really a problem out there anymore in certain parts, at least. I know, I think I heard New Zealand is like clean, no cases. Um, I saw what's so not posted on Instagram, like, like just saying like how grateful he was to be back playing shows. I think there was like another one in like Indonesia. So like we're definitely making some progress at least, you know. Yeah, I know. I know like parts of Brazil's open. Um, I know uh, even a few states. I know Florida's open. Arizona, I think everything's open right now. Oh yeah, I think I saw like a like some some girl on my Snapchat like posted a story of like some rave that she was at in Arizona. I was like, what? Yeah, even even my friend in like Texas just recently hit me up. He's like, yeah, things are open. We got shows coming back, and I'm like, we're in like full lockdown right now. Like. What did Denver go to, like, what, Code Red or whatever? <laughs> Dude, I don't know, but it kind of bums me out, man. I mean, I guess, you know. No, I mean, it, at the beginning of COVID, it was like, all right, we're going to get through this, maybe a month or two of this. And then yeah, halfway through summer, you're like, dang, is, how long is this going to be? And then you get the end of the year, you're like, man, are we going to be in this for, like, another couple of years? Is this going to be a few more months? And, you know, I'm still kind of unsure about it, but, you know, in the way you got to keep looking at it, you know, in the positive ways, you know, because you can look at anything negative, you can complain about anything, but if you're looking at it in a positive manner, that's going to be how you grow. Yeah, dude, I think good, there can be a lot of good that can come out of this, you know, as crappy as it is. Uh, I think with everything, you know, there can be, there can be some sort of silver lining, you know, I think just what I was saying about like, you know, how it's transforming the online uh, sort of landscape with like live streams, um, even just with like people being able to work from home who like previously weren't and now they're, and now they're like, why wasn't I doing this all along, you know? So I think it's like, it's speeding up a lot of um, changes that were going to take like a lot longer to happen. But now that this has come along, you know, it's, it's kind of made those, you know, happen like a lot faster. So I think that's at least one good thing that can come out of this. Um, and, you know, we'll we'll still be seeing that in years to come, you know, like, well, thank God this happens because without it, there wouldn't be this or that, you know. So I'm just trying to be optimistic about it, too. But, yeah, it's hard, man. I, I'm ready to get out there and, you know, go see some, some live music, man. Oh, definitely. Hey, we all are. All I know is once it does come back, like, in full, it's going to be it's going to be crazy for sure. For sure, man. Well, I think we're, we're at about like an hour right now, I think. Is there anything like that you want to plug for, for everyone who's going to be watching? Um, you know, obviously 128, I think you said you got a new release coming out, a new mix. What what do you want to plug for everyone that's going to be hearing this? Yeah, yeah, just new music, just a lot of new stuff coming out. Um, new track is my uh, alias with Rex Buchanan, Illuminati. Okay. Um, we got our new track, Just Forget It, coming out, and that's going to come out on New Year's Day. And that's kind of like our story. The name of the track is Just Forget It. It's kind of Just Forget About 2020. It's a new year. We're going to move on from this. You know, we lived, we learned. You know, we're, we're just going to grow from here. Um, we got that release. We also have our, uh, our Cream remix, the Illuminati remix that we did. Um, we're going to put that up on all platforms so that you guys can stream it other than just on SoundCloud. Um, I also, in the next couple of weeks, I have a uh, 
guest mix coming out on Groove London Radio. Should be a lot of fun. And uh, I think that's going to be released in like a week and a half, maybe a little bit longer. Kind of working out the details of that right now. Um, and then also to the people who haven't seen our 128 giveaway right now, we're doing the 128 days of Christmas or 12, eight days of Christmas, I believe, or something like that. Uh, We're doing all of our merch giveaway, which I don't know if you can see, but we've been giving away our shirts, our custom 128 shirts with, uh, 128 on the sleeve right here. Hey, okay. Nice. And uh, yeah, we've been doing a a bunch of giveaways. So if you just go to our Instagram or Facebook, you can uh, enter to win on there. We've given away our masks, which are pretty sweet. Custom 128 masks. We did a phone screen. I believe that was yesterday. And uh, yeah, we got a bunch of cool merch that we're doing a giveaway. And then if if this doesn't reach you guys in time for the giveaway, you can always get our merch on uh, weare128.com. Cool, man. And then so for and then for Instagram, is it is it at one twenty eight underscore productions? Is that correct? Cool, man. Well, I'm super stoked, um, you know, to see what the future holds for you guys. I think, uh, you know, you're tapping into a really, really cool market, you know, with with your specific um, vision that you have for one twenty eight and. You know, I think it's going to be, I think, I think there's going to be a lot of cool things to come out of it. And I'm stoked to see, you know, where you guys take things. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting how we adapt to everything and who knows what the future is going to hold with the music industry and just concerts in general, you know, just because not just because COVID, but moving on from here and just, you know, I mean, if you think about it from like a nationwide perspective, like why would they bring back live music where everyone's like this with 70,000 people, big concerts right next to each other. That's just asking to get sick. You know, it's, it sucks, but I mean, that's kind of like the truth of things, but you know, I, I want that, but at the same time, it's like, I wonder how it's going to move forward. Well, dude, if Australia can do it, bro, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll reach a point where we can do it. You know, it's so easy to think like we're in this like forever, like when you're in the thick of it and like, but you know, things uh you know everything's every nothing's permanent you know so i think we're gonna get exactly i mean what we've gone through like ebola you know wine flu a bunch of different things and kind of our lifetime and you know i mean it is crazy to think about but my biggest advice i would say for a vaccine i would maybe wait a little bit kind of see how it affects people before getting it but you know if that's what it takes to get on to moving to shows you know i've would definitely you know be about it for sure man well dude it's been great talking to you um west side productions for everyone uh or excuse me 128 productions check them out at west side spotify is just w-e-s-s-y-d-e is that correct yeah yeah spotify west side and then uh, all my other socials are west side official dope man well it's been great talking to you dude take care of yourself and uh have a great rest of your week man Of course, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. For sure, man. Take it easy. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to the very first episode of the Tapping In Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Nick, also known as Zaro. And I'm super, super excited at the opportunity to be able to start, um, you know, getting to talk to new artists, people in the music industry and just, you know, talking about life and music and everything in between. 
make sure to check me out on social media at Zaro, Z-A-R-E-A-U-X on Instagram, Twitter at Zaro1. I also just launched my beat store at beatstars.com. My name on there is Zaro as well. Going to be uploading beats on there as well as to a new YouTube channel that I'm going to be putting up very soon. So keep an eye out for that. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week and make sure to tune in next time for more episodes. Peace.